And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a privilege and a pleasure. Today is Friday, June the 12th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on June 12th, 1994, Nicole Brown Simpson, she was married to O.J. Simpson, and Ronald Goldman were slashed to death outside her Los Angeles home. O.J. Simpson was later acquitted of the killings in the criminal trial, but he was eventually held liable in a civil action. Today in 1630, Englishman John Winthrop, leading a fleet carrying Puritan refugees, he arrived in the Massachusetts Bay Colony where he became its governor. And today in 1942, a young girl, 13 years old, had a birthday. Her name was Anne Frank. Yeah, that Anne Frank. Her dad gave her a diary. She was a German-born Jewish girl living in Amsterdam. She got a diary. In less than a month, she and her family had gone into hiding in a warehouse, hiding from the Nazis. She wrote about it in her diary. And, of course, we know about the diary because there was a movie made about it, Anne Frank's Diary. Today, in 1967, the U.S. Supreme Court in Loving versus Virginia unanimously struck down state laws prohibiting interracial marriages. Today, in 1987, President Ronald Reagan, during a visit to the divided German city of Berlin, he exhorted Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev to tear down this wall. You know, a lot of the people close to Reagan, his advisors, counselors, people that were telling him kind of what to do and what to say, he was taking advice from them but making his own decisions, obviously, were telling him not to do that. They said, this will backfire on you. Don't stand up in front of the world in Berlin and tell Mikhail Gorbachev to tear down the wall. He said, oh, okay, well, thank you for your advice. He stood up and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That was the beginning of the end of the Soviet Union. Leaders lead. Today in 2016, an American-born Muslim, he opened fire at the Pulse nightclub. It's a homosexual establishment in Orlando, Florida. Killed 49 people and 53 were wounded before the police were able to kill the shooter. Thankfully, the police got there before many more. There were several hundred people in the club. They got there before the shooter could kill any more people. But there's people out there that really, they really don't want police at all. Defunding them. Seattle is kind of leading the world right now in all of that. But they're not wanting police. They're not wanting to to have this kind of a, involvement in their lives. Seattle is in the national news. I mentioned this yesterday on this program. We're live every day at, in, in our origination. And I mentioned that on this program uh, yesterday, and I, I want to mention it again today. This There's a, a, a new country has been carved out in Seattle. Yeah, it's called CHAZ, C-H-A-Z. It's also known as Autonomous Capitol Hill District or Area. But these people have gone in there and taken over this place, and they actually are running a, li- a little country. It's interesting because they have high-capacity weapons. Federal and state governments no longer exist in their mind, a neighborhood in charge of itself, creating its own laws, its own mores, its own economic and justice system. The left, the left kind of like this, and the media is beside themselves. They're talking about it. The whole world is talking about it. How does this happen? Maybe 
maybe the people that are looking, and some of them support this ministry, are looking at carving out a new state from the Cascades to the eastern boundary of Washington State. Maybe you should forget about all those papers and all those filings and requests and meetings and all that. Just go carve out a new state or a new country, whatever you want. That's what these guys have done. As I said, a lot of people are talking about this because it's it seems so odd. It seems so contrary to the American way. John Nolte, he's talking about it today. He's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but he's, he's kind of interested in it. He says it's appealing in some ways. He says, as I write this, Black Lives Matter and Antifa have created their own confederacy. He said the left like it. The media loves it. If you think about it, what's not to like? Quoting John Nolte. He said, as I write this, Black Lives Matter and Antifa have created their own confederacy, seceded from the Union with the establishment of a Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or CHAZ, right in the heart of Seattle. He said they've seized six city blocks, built border walls, and are running around with guns in the community that reflects their values and their desire to live their lives in a way they choose to live their lives. He said the best part of CHAZ residents, he's saying this tongue-in-cheek, of course, but there is some truth in it as well. He said the best part is that Chaz residents are refusing to allow biased media into their country. Nolte says, this sounds like paradise to me. He goes on, there's a lot more there, but it's something to think about. Maybe those who are working on the idea of creating Lincoln, a separate state in Washington State from the Cascades East, you might take some notes on this. Forget about all that stuff about filing papers and going through Olympia and Congress and all that. I don't know, but I will tell you, Seattle is becoming the laughingstock of the nation on both sides of the aisle. The conservatives and the so-called progressives. Jay Inslee, I mentioned this yesterday on this program. We're live. We originate live, as you know. And so I mentioned this yesterday, um, and it got national coverage by last night and today. I mean, everybody noticed it, but I mentioned it yesterday. I happened to be watching the video. and they were they, A reporter asked Governor Inslee about this thing that's happening there on Capitol Hill, this new country that's been carved out. And he said, I mean, I wouldn't believe this if I hadn't seen it myself. He said, I'm not aware of anything. He said, I'm not aware of it. I don't know. I have no comment. I don't know what's going on there. Well, the whole world knows what's going on there, but the governor doesn't. Mayor Durkin, she's in denial. It's a, I mean, it's kind of a helpless, pathetic situation. She went before the cameras last night or yesterday afternoon. They were running it last night. She said, this is not an armed takeover. I'm quoting her. This is not an armed takeover. It's more like a block party. That's unbelievable. Block party? They've taken over private property. Now we're learning, and I, I, I don't want to smile when I say this. I really don't. But now we heard yesterday afternoon that homeless people are sneaking into this new country of Chaz, and they're stealing their food. 
and the and the guys that are running this thing, whoever they are, are in charge, are asking for assistance from the outside because their food has been stolen by the homeless camps. Boy, you tell me. And these people, elected officials, the mayor of one of the, what was the most beautiful cities in America, in the world, and one of the most prosperous, innovative cities, is calling this a block party? She needs to drive by. It's not a block party. I can assure you. Boy, oh boy. I don't know. So much going on. It's a little confusing sometimes, but I can tell you, the more you look into the news, the deeper you take a look at it, the more confusing it can be. I, I'm a big advocate, and we do this program on the basis of everybody needs to be informed, particularly Christians. And we do. We've got to be informed. Jefferson, another of our founders, said, man, if a nation isn't informed, they're destined for failure. I mean, they spoke to that issue again and again and again in different ways. Some of their some of their comments have become plaques on people's walls. I mean, it, that was a very important part of their understanding when they created this nation. God's Word tells us again and again and again that we need to be informed. We need to know. We need not to hide away from and run away from the facts and be in denial as Christians. We've got to know, but sometimes, sometimes it gets to us a little bit. I was thinking of a verse in Isaiah, chapter 50, verse 7. It says, in a difficult time, the prophet said, For the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced or put aside. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, like a flint. And I know that I will not be ashamed. In other words, I won't be, I won't be marginalized in my own life. I won't be discarded. I won't be ashamed or I won't have regrets if I just set my face like a flint on God's word and then become informed and look at everything that's happening in my world. Look at it through the lens of God's truth. Not some group that's taken over six blocks of Seattle or whatever. Look at everything that happens in my life from the personal aspect of it to the collective, the community aspect of it. Look at it through the lens of God's word. That's We've got to do that. Otherwise, it is hopeless. It is helpless. It is chaotic. No wonder suicides have spiked in recent months. I mean, it's due to a lot of people being locked up and domestic issues. I mean, there's a lot of parts to that. But, man, I mean, anybody would come unraveled if you just sat and watched the news or even were aware of the news, listened to it, and you had no mooring, no, no anchor. But I want to tell you, the Word of God is the anchor. Even Democrats in recent years, I mean, within the last... 75, 80, 90 years? They've been saying, there's quotes, Harry Truman and on. I mean, they're all saying that godliness and the Bible are the, the rock, the foundation, the sheet rock, one of them used, for the basis of our nation. And it's even more so the basis for our personal lives. We've got to look at things through God's word, or we will have a very bitter 
and concerning and frustrating and deceptive experience in life. That's why Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He wasn't saying, become a Christian and everything will evaporate. No, he wasn't saying that at all. What he was saying is, I realize that the world is in chaos, and it will be. In fact, he said it will become more so as we approach the end of time, the coming of the Lord. So he said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and that abundant life is found not in discerning what's going on around us so that we can kind of be at peace, but simply putting our lives in the hands of the Prince of Peace. And then we have peace, the abiding peace of Jesus Christ living within us as Christians. And then we look at this all this craziness, and it is crazy. And we say, wow. And we know what's going on, and we need to know. We must know. But we don't need to be destroyed by it. So look up. Redemption draws nigh up. Well, it's on the going to be on the on the ballot. Washington's new comprehensive sex education law is going to be on the November election ballot. It appears. I mentioned this yesterday. I said I talk a little bit more about it today. I want to just mention it a couple of couple of things about it before I get to uh, something else that I want to talk to you about today. Earlier this year, the Washington Democratic House and Senate majorities passed this bill. It's Senate Bill 5395. And it was signed by Governor Jay Inslee, of course, immediately. He is aware of that. It requires sex education in all of the state's public schools in all grades, K through 12 and beyond, but particularly K through 12. The law requires the relatively few, the newspapers say, and they're all saying this, uh, and uh, one of these articles was written by a friend of mine, and I I, I like him, but I, com- I totally disagree with him on most issues. But anyway, most of the newspapers are saying this new law, I'm quoting, this new law requires the relatively few Washington school districts that currently don't teach any form of sex ed to either adopt existing curriculum or create their own version. Meanwhile, school districts already giving such lessons must come up with age-appropriate ways to expand that curriculum to earlier grades. Education officials have said the new law doesn't, uh, does not ask schools to teach students about sex in lower grades, such as K through, through, through 3. Well, that's a lie. They do. They just take a little different tack. That, it, that simply isn't true, what this newspaper article is saying. But uh, what we're finding is that the, the newspapers even ahead of this being confirmed that it's on, and it, it's pretty much assured based on the number of signatures. But they're already beginning to mount their offensive and mislead people. A different article, but written by some of the same people, a different article is out there. It says, I'm quoting from a different article out of Olympia and Tacoma. Because, and, and Seattle actually, the Times ran part of this as well. But it says that, What they're saying, and this is what you're going to hear, you're going to hear that this whole thing is a misunderstanding, this referendum. Referendum 90 is a misunderstanding. People have been misled on the right, you, the people, the conservatives, the Christians who are concerned about it. You have been misled because 
it's all about just seeing that schools have sex education. We're not trying to insert anything that you don't already know about. We're not trying to expand this. And all of that is not true. It's a lie. And they use one of the uh, suggestions or one of the examples that they use is that the schools, one of the schools that is uh, that is identified here is the Mead School. That's They say Mead School District is north of Spokane. And we have people who support this ministry in Mead. In fact, a number of you. But they say the, uh, the school district's board president, Carmen Green, is denying what they say in the paper. Green and fellow Mead school board members opposed the sex education legislation, however, and they sent a letter to Inslee this week urging him to veto it. That was a while back. They're saying that the Mead school district is one that, that won't report. It's self-reporting, all of these school districts, what they're doing, and they won't report. The sex education officials are cautioning that this bill does not ask schools to teach students in younger grades about sex. This misconception, this Katie Payne, she's a spokesperson for the Office of Public Instruction, she said this misconception has helped fuel the spread of nasty, that's her word, nasty misinformation about the bill's intentions and provisions. She said young learners will receive lessons that teach them how to express their emotions, accurate names for their body parts, and how to find a trusted adult, a form of sexual abuse prevention. She said it's just, I'm quoting her, speaking for the school, all of the the public instruction division. She said it's just very basic. There's nothing sexual about it at all. Well, that's the lie and the premise upon which you will be hearing. We'll be talking a lot about this between now and November, I can assure you. But that's what's being put out there is you're all worked up about nothing. You people have misunderstood it. You Christians have gotten all worked up about it. People have gone out and they've told you things. It's nothing like that. This isn't going to be that. This is something different. We're just trying to help your kids, and we're trying to give age-appropriate help to those kids who need help and She said, and others are saying now, we just want to be sure that sex ed, I'm quoting from them, is age-appropriate and evidence-based and medically accurate. What that is is an outright attack on the idea of abstinence. They say that every time. They always talk about evidence-based and medically accurate or scientifically accurate. They always say that. It doesn't matter if it's about coronavirus or whether it's about sex. That's the words they use, and that means that they are trying to undermine the moral positions of conservatives, in particular Christians. I want to thank you for your support of this ministry. We wouldn't be here. We don't have advertisers. There are some that have asked to advertise on this program, but we're, we've decided not to do that, and we don't have advertisers on our website. So when I encourage you to go to our website at faithandfreedom.us and read a story or something, We don't get anything from it. I know if you support this ministry, you probably wouldn't mind. You probably would like for us to because you believe in what we're doing. But we just decided, I decided a long time ago when we started this program that we weren't going to go there. The opportunity is there. It's really there now because a lot of people are listening to this program and it's it's knowing that they are. But we just aren't going to go there ever. We never share your names. We never share any information about people that support us or contact us. People that sign up to get our article that we write every day, none of that, none of that is is ever shared in any way 
rented, leased, loaned, whatever. I know most organizations do that, particularly nonprofit. We don't. We never have. I can tell you we never will because I simply won't go there. I believe that you entrust us with your support and your information. It just won't happen. You won't end up on a bunch of other mailing lists because you sign up to get our Faith and Freedom Daily from our ministry organization. It'll end right there. And many of you know that. Some of you are wondering. In fact, I got an email just yesterday. Somebody was asking, do you ever share information? I responded and said, no, of course. And I'm telling you and everyone, no, we don't do that. We don't do it. But thank you so much for your support of this ministry. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. I want to talk to you a little bit about a... Manhattan police. There's a, there's a story, there's a parallel in this, and I want to share it with you. Manhattan, New York Police Department lieutenant, sent an email to all of his fellow officers a couple of weeks ago, but the New York Post found out about it this week, and they published it day before yesterday. And I, I read it, and I thought about it, and I thought, I want to share this with the people who listen to our radio program and read our article. He said... I, he said he's apologizing in his email to all of his his cohorts in the New York Police Department. He said, I'm, I'm apologizing for kneeling in the street with protesters. He said, quote, the cop in me wants to kick my own uh, behind. That's not the word he used. But he's asking for forgiveness. He said, calls it a horrible decision. Ru- Lieutenant Robert Katani, he's a Midtown South Precinct. He sent an email. He said he deeply regrets his decision to take a knee. He was one of those cops that kneeled down because the crowd was demanding that thousands of people were shouting at him. He says, I gave in to the crowd of protesters' demands. He said the conditions prior to the decision to take a knee were very difficult. He said a lot of pressure on us, and indeed there is. He said the entire crowd was chanting, and there are videos, and I included some of the videos in the article I wrote about this today. He said, I know I made the wrong decision. He said, we didn't know how the protesters would have reacted. But he said, I made the wrong decision. He said, when I decided to kneel and take a knee. He said, after prodding from the crowd, he said, about four of us knelt. But he said, I'm taking responsibility for myself. Katani says, I thought maybe that one protester or rioter who saw it would think twice about fighting or hurting a cop. He said, I was wrong. He said, that's what I told myself when I made the bad decision. He said, the first part of my career, all of it, has been striving to become the best cop, a good cop. He said, I threw it all on the garbage heap on Sunday when I took a knee in front of everybody. He said, the decision to kneel goes against every principle and value that I stand for. He said, since I did that, he said, I've struggled to eat and sleep, and I've even considered leaving the department. He said, I I could not imagine the idea of ever coming back and working putting on a uniform I so wrongly shamed. However, I decided that this was the easy way out for me, and I will continue to work every day and be there for my personnel. He said, I almost quit, but I've decided to not, and I'm embarrassed, but I'm going to go forward. He said, the lesson is that we don't concede for other officers' mistakes, referring to the officer who killed George Floyd, but he says, I don't place blame on anyone other than myself for not standing my ground. I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about standing our ground. Officer 
Catani's path is forgiveness by his peers and redemption through confession. It kind of mirrors the spiritual path of every Christian. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we confess our sins, he is willing and able to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the pilgrim's path, the Christian path to knowing God and having Christ in our hearts. The the officer promises his peers and his superiors that he will stand his ground going forward. He said, I will never kneel to the demands of the crowd again. And he said that in writing to them. I think if I can make the loose comparison, every new born-again Christian feels the freedom from the weight of past sins forgiven. The guilt is lifted. The determination to stand firm, stand their ground for Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, no matter what, I will not fail you. Peter had said that, but he was unable to follow through. Sometimes through the daily grind of our life, we grow weary and well-doing, sick of a world that's out of control. It shouts and threats and demands and deceptions. We love the Lord, but give me a break. I don't want to hear again how bad Christopher Columbus was or how evil the history of my country is or what Nancy Pelosi said the Bible says or what Joe Biden promises to do to President Trump if he doesn't peaceably vacate the Oval Office after he loses the 2020 election. Yeah, that's a conversation. It's out there. Biden is talking about it again today. He's going to bring in the authorities and have him physically removed. Yet Biden hasn't won the election yet. (laughs) I could scream sometimes. Or maybe submit, be silent, take a knee. Christians shouldn't be involved in politics anyway, right? That battle rages in American culture today, but it's not about politics. It's a spiritual contest. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. This is not a dialogue about differing political ideologies over a dinner at the club. It's not even Republican or Democrat. It's not about Black Lives Matters. It's gone beyond that. But that organization has led America to get on its heels and its knees and do so in front of everybody. Old, white, some black, some women want to be leaders or kneeling. Not to the idea of equality, but they're kneeling, they're kneeling to the solutions that are being put forward that are conceived in the darkness of this world. Many of the solutions are formed in the darkness of this age, not from the light of God's word. When Christians inspired by Jim Wallace and some of these guys are coming out and they're saying, well, I'm going to kneel. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm show that I'm not racist. Give me a break. I don't know your heart, but I watch the actions and I can tell you. Having been in ministry my entire life, pastoral and otherwise, This isn't about, for many, it's not about the sincerity of wanting to racially reconcile. It's about showing that I'm not a racist. Whether it's homosexual rights, women's rights, racial equality, all of this stuff is all wrapped up around the idea of bringing down the institutions and then rebuilding them in the image of man, not in the image that our founders designed. Thanks for being here. I'll see you Monday.